0: Good morning, morning. Oasis family. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're just grateful for this time together as a family. And Lord, I know that uh, many of us, you you know, worked through this week and had trials and tribulations and it's just a great time of rejoicing that we get together uh, once a week and, and open your word together and praise you together to bring you glory and honor that is rightly due your name. Father, we just pray today that uh, my words would be your words and my thoughts would be your thoughts and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable to you. And I pray that the spirit that lives within each believer here would do the work it needs to do in the hearts of these men and women. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Just a brief review. We, we finished up Romans last week, Romans eight twelve through 16. If you have your Bibles, we'll open up to there. We'll be picking up there in just a couple minutes. But Romans 8, 12-16, just a brief review. If you look at verse 12 here, it says, uh, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. You see that? We talked about this quite a bit last week. We have an obligation. We have an obligation, but it, it's not to the flesh. It's not to the world. That, that's not what we're obligated to. Now we all realize that many of us serve the world, we live for the world, and we listen to our unredeemed flesh, the Spirit within us, right? And we know that didn't work out so good. So we have no more, we have, as born-again believers, we have no obligation to this fallen world. We have no obligation to, to listen to the temptations and respond to those anymore. We have to deny the flesh and follow Christ. Now, we do have an obligation, but our obligation is to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. We have an obligation to God. I mean, come on, brothers and sisters. There was a time for each one of us that we were slaves to sin, slaves to Satan, spiritually dead, and sentenced to eternal death. Everyone in here was at one point living in that state of unredeemed. But God, for reasons we don't understand, He chose us. He reached down from heaven And He whispered into our hearts and souls and He brought us out of that darkness and into life. Isn't that an amazing reality? So so He reached down and He called us and He not only saved us from from slaveries of sin and slaveries of Satan, He brought us and adopted us into His family. He made us children of God. And then, amazing also is that He filled us with the Spirit of God. So that we would now have the power in this fallen world where, where Satan is the prince of this world to live a victorious life for Jesus Christ. And you know, that would be enough, wouldn't it? Any of these things would be enough, but that isn't it. He says also, I've sealed and secured you where you will spend eternity in heaven with me. We are obligated to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That is where our obligation lies. And I tell you, don't be deceived by the trappings of the world, the counterfeits that are all around us. Be focused, as we talked about, set your hearts and minds on Christ Jesus. Set your hearts and minds on the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. That's where our obligations are. Okay, the second truth we talked about last week is this this reality of uh, the next verse here is that... uh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Let me just review that briefly too. It's a second major truth we talked about. And the reality is that many claim Christ. Many claim Christ. But there's many also that claim Christ, but then live their life according to the world. And the reality is, is for those that we see no fruit in their life, they're not truly saved. They may go to church. They may profess Christ, but if we don't, it says, "We test them by their. You'll know them by their fruit. If there's no fruit in their life, they're not truly saved, and then and they will die. They will die because they're spiritually dead. And when they die physically, which we all will, unless there's a rapture, they will also die eternally. Now, the other part of this truth in this verse is the, is that there are some that claim Christ that are truly born again. They're believers. They are surrendered life to Christ, but they backslide. They backslide. That they fall back into sinful patterns in their life. But the reality is, I'm telling you as a believer, you can't continue to live in sin in your life if you're truly born again. Because God will pull you out of there. He will discipline His children. He will, he will make sure you do not stay in that state of disobedience. Because He's a jealous God. He will not let you continue to live in sinful patterns in your life. He will call you out of that. And as I mentioned before, I, I mean, in our church here, we live in the, we live in the front lines of God's work. And we, I've seen people that are truly born again that God called home early because they would not confess and repent and turn back to God, so God brought them home. But I'm telling you, as a believer, we can't live in there. You can't live in the state of sinfulness. God won't allow it. And if you are, you have to question whether you're truly saved or not. So that was the second major truth we talked about and the third one, which is uh, very encouraging. It says here that, um, f- verse 15, the Spirit... The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Do You see that? Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. Amen. And now we can cry out, Daddy, Papa, Father, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, it's amazing, isn't it, that what the world Proclaims what the world tries to sell us—that if we follow the ways of the world, we will have freedom, right? We will have freedom, and 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 that uh, and that we'll we'll live without fear, right? I mean, it's 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 this promise the world comes at us that if you embrace the things of the world, you're, you're going to have happiness, joy, freedom. I mean, th- what do the commercials say? Come on, do, you, do you live life. You only go around once. Do these things and engage in these sinful things in your life drink, sexual immorality, materialism, pride, all these things come at us from the world. Come on, this is where life is at. right? Isn't that what the world sells? And this is freedom. But the reality is, come on now, you've been there. It's slavery. It's slavery. And I don't care what your, your trappings of the world are, it doesn't matter to me, you know when you get into these things, they hold you captive. They control you. You are no longer the, longer the master. It's controlling you, and you're responding to the call of the flesh over and over and over again, whatever it is in your life. But the world promotes it as fun and joy and freedom, and the reality is it's, you're just putting yourself into slavery. But it says here, by the Spirit, we're no longer slaves. See, the real freedom comes from a, an obedient life to Christ, and the world says, you've got to be kidding me. That's legalism. How can you follow the Word of God and live that kind of life? That is controlling and, 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 and suffering and, and just craziness, right? Isn't that what the world says about following the Word of God? But that's the devil. This is his world. But we know as we take the Word of God and obey it, the blessings are unbelievable. That's where the freedom is. The freedom is living an obedient life to God's Word. That's where it's at. And in that, we get to call out, Abba, Father. You know what? Let me tell you this. No one in here had a perfect father. Sorry, we had, some of you had very good fathers, some of you had terrible fathers, but no one had a perfect father, but we all do now. We all do now. Abba, Father, Daddy. The God of the universe wants us to call Him Daddy. So I mean, some of you are dealing with some pain and issues of your past. Let it go. There's a perfect Father right here that wants to embrace you and lead you through the rest of your life. That's Abba, Father. Father. So that's a review from last week. Everybody good with that? Some good news? Isn't that good news? It's good news. Now we're going to pick up, in fact, uh, my brother Kevin's going to come read the Word for us this morning. Uh, And I'm just going to read, just so we get the context of verses 17 and 18, we're going to read 12 through 18, and then we'll study uh, verses 7 and 18 this morning. Everybody with me on that? Come on up, brother. Please stand as we read God's Word. You know, there's a, a teaching in the, in the marketplace which says that vision and mission leak. Have you ever heard that before, the vision leaks? So in the marketplace, what they'll typically do is they'll continue, continually remind a company of the vision and mission statement of a company. Have you ever heard that? Well, the reality is, is I think sometimes we get so deep in the word that we lose the big picture. Right, so this, morning, this is just the burden of my heart as I've been studying this week. I want to back up a little bit and kind of give you the big picture of the plan of God, then we'll go right back down into the digging into the trenches here, all right? You with me? Let's see the big vision. And, and because, you know, to me when I say set your hearts and minds in heaven, set your hearts and minds on Christ, I want you to kind of see what God is up to in the grand plan of schemes because we're right in the middle of a dispensation, a season of that work, but I want to give you the bigger picture. Do you see that? Everybody okay with that? Okay, look, look here for a minute. I'm going to go through this quickly, but I want to just give you a big picture. These are truths I know you all know, but we need to be reminded of them. It says in Genesis 1.27, So God created man in His own image, and the image of God He created him. Male and female, He created them. Uh, Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. I want you to realize that God's original created order was perfect. It was perfect in every way. We we enjoyed an unbelievable intimate relationship with God. We were designed to be intimate with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, I can guarantee you one thing, you're worshiping something. Because you are designed for worship and you're designed to to, to, uh, be in an intimate relationship with God. And that's what happened in His original creation. And also, we see that in the original creation, we had great power and purpose in our life. You see, we were the rulers of the world. Do you know that? God made us rulers of the world. That was His original design purpose, is that we would have great power and purpose in our life as we ruled the world under God. That was the original created order. And then the other thing was that we were in a constant state of glorifying God because there was no sin. There was no sin in this world. God did not intend for there to be sin in the world. There was no pain, there was no suffering, there was no hardships, there was no jealousy, there was no anger, there was no coveting, there was no coveting, there was no pride. It was a perfect world that God intended us to live in. Do you believe that? So so that's what he did. And then then the issue of love, joy, and peace, something the world sells cheaply on the market right now, was true love. We were completely loved. There was no emptiness in us. There was no desire for things that were missing because we were completely filled with the love of God and love of others. We were joyful. We were peaceful. I mean, can you kind of picture? It's very hard in this world, but you have to kind of just, you know, dream about these things of what God's intended order was originally like. The other thing, think about this the creation itself was perfect, there was no weeds. There was no poison ivy, Delio. Delio had a bad case of poison ivy. There was no mosquitoes. There was no biting bugs. There was no death in the created order either. Animals weren't eating each other. There was no death. Everything lived in perfect unity within the world. Can you picture that? That's what God intended this world to be. and all of creation, in this perfect state, glorified and honored God. And then, of course, I'm not going to go through this whole, this could take us all of our time, but we know there was a fall. See, God put one tree in the garden, and it was a test of our love and obedience to Him. You know, don't forget, everybody likes to talk about one tree, but He said, you can eat of all these other trees. And you know, even in the fallen state, think of the variety of foods and vegetables and things we have, nuts and all this stuff right now. Could you imagine what it was like in paradise? And He said, you can eat of all these things except this one tree, I want you to prove your love and obedience to me. Don't don't eat from this one tree. And that's what we like to talk about, right? So, But out of that one act of disobedience came the fall to mankind. You still with me on here? I'm I'm building this 40,000 foot vision for you. So sin entered the world. We lost our intimacy with God. We lost our purpose and our power. We no longer ruled the earth because Satan became the prince of this world. We no longer glorified God. In fact, what we tend to do is what the first temptation was. If you eat of this, you'll be like what? You'll be like God. So guess what? We've been focusing on glorifying self ever since then. So we lost our intimacy with God. The relationship was broken. He no longer walked with us in the garden. We lost our purpose and power. We were no longer ruling the earth. And we were no longer glorifying God. We were glorifying self. And guess what? We didn't have that perfect love, joy, and peace living in us anymore either. So we started to try to get it from lust and and materialism and, and all the things of the world that are counterfeits to the real design of God. But do you see what happened? This perfect created order fell and created this fallen world. Was that God's desire? No, it wasn't His desire. But He gave us free will and we made a choice of disobedience and because of that, sin entered the world. Now, let me, some of you, I know you spend a lot of time studying theology. Did God know that was going to happen? Yes. That doesn't matter. He set up the conditions for us to obey and we didn't obey. And sin entered the world. So, ever since then, if you look around, see, this is why it's important to know, is that ever since then, if you look at anybody in their sinful patterns, what they've been trying to do is we're trying to get back to that original created order. That is what we're designed to live in. People talk about the hole in their heart, and that's partly true, but it's the overall creation and everything in it. We we desire to be back to what God intended it to be in our position in that creation. Do you see that? See, so that's why we have false gods and false religions and all these other idols we build in our life, because see, we're designed to worship, so we're going to all worship something. We desire to have power and purpose that we originally had as we ruled this earth. So we we like to give ourselves awards and titles and degrees and all kinds of things so that we can build ourselves up to glorify ourselves and create power and position in our lives. And then we spend a lot of our time glorifying ourselves because of our need to glorify someone or something, namely God. And then, come on. Isn't the world chasing love, joy, and peace in all kinds of ways? I want you to see that that is the reason that is happening is we're desiring to be back to what God intended us to be. That's the big picture, you see? Now, here's the good news. I set the stage now. The text we've been studying here is, see, God is reconciling us. God is restoring His original creation. But God doesn't do reruns. He's actually restoring it to even a greater created order than He did from the first time. And see, I want you to see that's the big plan of God. That's what we're talking about as we're studying the book of Romans. We're seeing how God is reconciling His broken, lost, hurting creation back into perfect, holy, righteous, good, loving creation. See, when we talk about in Romans, we said that we have this new position, this new power, right? this new purpose in life. See God, see, God came down to us that are sitting here that are saved and He saved us. And, and He saved us and what did He do? He restored that intimate relationship with God. we just, we just sang it this morning. That, that was part, that's the beginning through Jesus Christ. The beginning of Him reconciling His creation back to the, to the created order. We can now talk to God again. We can meet with Him in the morning. He speaks to us through His living Word and prayer. We are back... Talking and intimate with God. Do you see how He's reconciling us back to His original created order? How about this? Power and purpose. We are no longer ruling this earth, but what are we now? We're ambassadors for God. He gave us that purpose and power back by the Holy Spirit that lives within us. So now we're not ruling this earth, but we're ambassadors for the God of the universe. You know what? I don't care if you're a janitor or a president of a company those are insignificant compared to the reality that you're an ambassador for God. Do you see that? That is really where your purpose is. And guess what? God wants His ambassadors from the outhouse to the White House. So it doesn't matter if you're a janitor or a president of a company, our, our, our role is the same. We have, we have different giftings, natural giftings and skills that we need to utilize for God's glory, but in that setting, wherever He has us, we're supposed to be, most importantly, ambassadors for God. So we, we see we get this restored intimacy with God. We get restored purpose and power. We can now glorify God again. He restored our ability to glorify God. We can sing praises. We can worship Him with our life. We can glorify God with our, with our very being now. And come on now, if you're born again a believer, now we're back into love, joy, and peace again. We can experience what God intended us to experience from the day He created us. Do you see how God's restoring Restoring us and reconciling us? It's an amazing work that he's doing. I don't want you to miss the big picture because that's what we're really talking about here as we're working our way through this. And, and next week we're going to talk more about uh, the, the creation. So let's pick up on the text today. And we're going to continue to see this, this reconciliation of God. So verse 17 says, Now if, if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. And really, a better way to read this is, because we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. So, Brother says, what if I told you that you have received an inheritance? Right. What would be your first question? <laughs> Answers how much. Maybe the first, but that's definitely one of the top two. But I think the first question might be, from who? Right? Don't you want to know who gave you the inheritance? And I think, indirectly, we're asking the who because we want to know what the potential of the gift is. Right? In our fallen state, we want to know who. But the first thing is who? Who? I mean, and and come on, honestly, it might be someone that we love dearly. We want to know who left us an inheritance. Is it a dear friend or family member? We want to know who left us this inheritance. And and so, why is that important? Is because really, the person it's important who it is because it will indicate to us the significance of the inheritance, right? Was this a person we loved? Was this a person of power and position? And even if you want to get worldly, a person of a lot of possessions, right? We may think about that. A man or woman of character. So here, the reason I bring that up. Look at what it says here is that we are heirs of God. We are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I can't even wrap my mind around that one. That because we're children of God, that we have a full inheritance equal to what Jesus Christ was given in the heavenly. Can you picture that? That's an incredible inheritance that we have because it is from God. I think the second question, which Anne already brought up, is what is this inheritance? So we have this great inheritance from God, this co-heirs with Christ. What, what is it? And our, our brother uh, William is writing a book, The Five Forevers, and we we'll, uh, can't wait for that to be done so we can see what, some more insights into this. But I'm just going to give you kind of a, a glimpse of some of the things that we inherited, our inheritance from God that we, we can uh, look forward to. You ready for that? You want to see what your inheritance is? Let's, let's have a reading of the will. Look at this one. Jesus said, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? See, here's the way I picture it. We used to live out in the backyard in the Garden of Eden. God's calling us into the house. We're going to go live in God's house now. The garden was beautiful and perfect in every way, but He's saying, okay, come on inside now. You're going to live in the house of God. Now, you know, we can, you can look at all the great mansions that were ever built. Our, our architectural brother Nate probably had. But, I mean, there's some unbelievable castles and kingdoms that have built here. If you ever look at those, Vanderbilt and others. But the reality is, can you imagine how these are insignificant? These are small little rocks compared to what God has created. It's kingdom of kingdoms. We can't even put our minds around what God has built in this new kingdom that we're going to be living in, in the house of God. I don't see anybody fired up about that. I'm fired up about that. So we're living in the house of God. Look at this one. Okay. Also, we know this already. Revelation 21 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. So you See, for the, older, the old order of things has been passed away. See, God has restored its creation to its original design. And that there will be no more sin, no more pain, no more suffering. Can, can you even picture a world like that? Where there's no sin? That's part of our inheritance. We get to go live in that place. How about this one? Through the one who's victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Do you see that? Can you believe that? This is Jesus. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my Father on His throne, so, brothers and sisters, talking about restoring our intimate relationship with God, we're living in His house now. We can just walk down the hall and go talk to Him, right? Go talk to God. Not only that, there's no more sin or pain and sufferings. He's restored that. But how about this? Is we get back our position of power and ruling, we get to rule again, as we were intended to do with God. It says we get to sit on the thrones with Jesus and rule. The next one is uh, something we can't even imagine. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. I just point that out, is that your inheritance is exponential. You can't even imagine when we're faithful for a little. God multiplies that beyond our belief in what we'll be doing in heaven. Do you getting this? Kind of picture in your inheritance? Just a couple more. You all right, Daniel? Okay, look at this. And just as have just as we have, we have borne uh, born the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Or first John three: two dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we'll be like him, we shall see him as he is. So the point here is that uh, we get glorified bodies and, and we're restored into the image of Jesus Christ. So you know, do you see how that's better? We don't get back to being innocent, eternal beings in the garden, but we're eternal built beings now with glorified bodies, and we're like Jesus. Now, I don't know what you think about, but I, I just long to be like Jesus in His love. Love with perfection. Love without judgment. Right? How about I want to be like Jesus in His Peace. Jesus was never in a hurry. He was never anxious about anything. I, want to experience, I experience it now, but not to the fullest till we're glorified. I, I want to be like Jesus in His love and His peace. I want to be like Jesus in His joy. Joyful in all circumstances. Is that how you want to be? I mean, what are you thinking when you're going to be made like Jesus? Do you think you're going to look like Him? It, it, it's always about the internal and eternal with God. It's how we're going to be like on the inside. I want to be like Jesus that I'm completely obedient to the Father. And that I glorify Him with everything I do. That's how I want to be like Jesus. I fail God here. I struggle here. It's not easy, is it? I want to be in a place where I no longer struggle, where I can just glorify and honor God all the time as a natural outflowing of who I am. That's our inheritance. Brother and sister, I think you know when you say set your minds on heaven and, and um, set your hearts and minds on heaven, not on earth, you have to start thinking about things like this deeply. Because when you start thinking about things like this, it generates your purpose in life. It makes this world more bearable. You'll see that as we go through some more texts today, but it's important we do meditate on those truths. That's why I'm excited about the Five Forever book. So look at this. You ready for some more good news? Shirley, you ready? Shirley's ready. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. And a better way to translate this is because we share in his sufferings. Because we share in his sufferings. Now, um, I've got to tell you another truth. Here's a reality for believers. I want you to hear this one. As a believer, we're going to suffer regardless. Okay, you hearing this? Now here's what I see with a lot of Christians. Is they suffer because they're secret Christians. See, they they don't want to proclaim Christ in different environments. In fact, they don't want anybody to know that they're actual Christians. Do you know people like that? It's almost as if they're ashamed of their faith. See, but here's the thing: when you live like that, if you if you are a a secret Christian, you're going to be suffering on the inside because the Holy Spirit's screaming inside of you. What has God done for you? What has He done for you? How can you be ashamed? Have you heard that? So, either way, you're going to suffer. It's an internal suffering because you know you're falling short of the glory of God. You go home, you got bitterness and anger going on in you because you're not living the life that God intended you to live. So that's one way you can suffer, but you're going to suffer. Now the other way to suffer is what I encourage you to do, because this is the good suffering, is stop it. Start living for Jesus. Start being bold for Christ. Start sharing the Gospel with the lost world. You know, when someone's telling an inappropriate joke, you don't go along with these jokes and laugh along like you're okay with it. When guys are gathered together and they're gawking and they're talking about a woman, you rebuke that. You don't sit there and go along with that kind of talk. You say, you don't, we don't talk about women that way. When ladies are gathered together and one of the women's kind of criticizing her husband, you shut that down. You don't go along with the gossip that's going on in the circle. Do you see what I'm talking about? We've got to be purposefully living out a different life. We have to be Christ-like. And I'm not talking about just sharing the gospel. I'm talking about being the gospel and Sharing the Gospel with a lost world, and then you get the good suffering i 'm telling you either way you 're suffering one has got eternal rewards, the other one 's just pain and suffering with no purpose so let 's talk about suffering for a few minutes let 's kind of try to define it from the scripture what it looks like for the good suffering. Look what Jesus said here in matthew sixteen twenty four He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to deny yourself daily, pick up the cross, and follow Christ. I mean, just to give you, I I love giving pictures of these things, so what that looks like is you get up in the morning, get a nice quiet place, You get into the Word of God, you get into prayer, right? Now hear this part, another key truth for today, is in that time, what you're doing in denying yourself, you're putting in the love of God into your heart, mind, and soul. You're putting in the peace of Christ. You're putting in the joy of your salvation. You got that? Those are things we're putting in to deny ourselves. The love of God, the peace of Christ, the joy of our salvation. We're putting those inside of ourselves. And once you've got that inside of you, hear this, then you can put on the compassion of Christ. You can put on kindness. You can put on courage and boldness for Jesus. You can put all those things on as long as you've got what's in that matters. That's what's going to sustain you in this new life is the love of God the peace of Christ, and the joy of your salvation. So those are living inside of you, and you put on all these other garments to get ready for the battlefield. And you say to Jesus, Jesus, I know I've got a busy day, I'm doing this at work and that, but regardless, I want to be available to you to be used today. Maybe I could encourage someone, maybe I could share the gospel with a lost person, but I'm denying myself and all my own little fleshy selfishness, you know, and I, brothers and sisters, you know I say this all the time, I'm with you in this, there's days where I just want to be all about me. <laughs> anybody else like that? I've had a hard week. I just want to shut my door and have lunch alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. But we can't do that. We've got to put it on and, and get ready and go out and live for Jesus. And, and just, let me tell you this, you're not going to always do it perfectly every day. In fact, most days you'll do a little bit right and a little bit wrong, but it's okay. If that little bit you did right, you're storing up treasures in heaven. That little bit of glory you brought God, you just sent an email to heaven with some glory that he'll hold for you till you get there. So, just even if it's little victories, little encouragements, little loving, little testimonies, little sharing the gospel, you'll get better at it as you continue to practice. But keep getting up every day, denying yourself, and following Jesus. And then it says here what'll happen from that. Look at this: what Jesus says. He says, "Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness." For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And look at this next verse. It says, Blessed are those when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of what? What does it say? Because of me. Because of me. You ready for another hard truth? I have a lot of people come up to me and say, Oh, I'm really suffering for Jesus. And I said, Well, help me understand that. How are you suffering for Jesus? Well, I just lost my job. I said, okay, well, that's not suffering for Jesus. What else you got? Well, I just broke up with my spouse. I said, well, that's very hard to hear. That's not suffering for Jesus. And on and on the list goes. Now, I'm not saying that those aren't divine trials that God's leading you through to refine you, but it says because of me. See, real suffering for Jesus is when, what does it say? That you're being insulted. People are spreading lies about you. When's the last time someone spread a lie about you? See, it's because of, see, what happens, you know, in my old neighborhood, after I shared Jesus with everybody in my old neighborhood, guess what? They stopped calling me. I wasn't invited to the barbecues anymore. And I was tight with all these guys and gals, Mary and I were. But you know what? It's because I was being persecuted. They didn't want, you know what, they didn't want, uh, and I was not hitting them, well, a little bit with the Bible here and there, but I was being Christ. I wasn't necessarily constantly hitting. But they didn't want to be around a person of God. So that's the kind of persecution I'm talking about. I'm talking about people rejecting. You know what? At work, sometimes there's a group of guys we used to be with all the time. And you know what? We don't hang together anymore. Some friends that I used to call friends, I don't see them anymore. See, but there's a persecution that comes. That's the kind of persecution I'm talking about. Not your hardships in life. I'm talking about a rejection for the way you live for Jesus. That's the suffering. That's the suffering that sends up treasures in heaven. I could tell you this, brothers and sisters, you know, we'll many regrets when we get to heaven, but we will never regret a moment in our life that we suffered for Jesus. I got another hour to go. You guys okay? We'll bring the burgers up here today. Look at this. Let's go, I'll go through these fairly quickly. I want you to get a grasp of the suffering for Jesus today. If you don't get anything else. Look at this. 2 Timothy 3.12 In fact, every who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Come on, help me out here. Persecuted. So do you want to live a godly life in Jesus Christ? Then you will be persecuted. How about this one? Philippians 1.29 For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to... Suffer for Him. I love this because it says granted. It's, it says as it's a gift, right? You've been, this, you've been gifted. You've been given the gift of belief in Christ to believe in Him, which is a gift, right? Did anybody earn their salvation in here? If you think so, come talk to me. Because it's a gift from God. You can't earn it. It's given to you. And the same way it's a, He gave you another gift with that, and that gift is the gift of suffering for Him. Do you see it as a gift? It should be seen as a gift. Here's a for those struggling in sin in here. Uh, just look at this one. This is a great truth that that has changed my life. First uh, Peter four one and two says, "Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because look at this. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. This is a, this is a, this is a strange dynamic of God's economy, which is." The reality is, is as you choose to live a godly life and you go out and witness for Christ and you suffer because of that, your, your perspective on sin changes is the only way I can explain it. It's a hard thing to explain. It doesn't have the attraction it once had. It, be, it becomes, uh, I always say the same analogy, but it's like playing in the sandbox. I just don't play in the sandbox anymore. The sins that used to captivate me as I've lived and suffered for Christ are silly to me now. They have no attraction to me. I know the emptiness in them. And they, they have no pull on me anymore. But that comes from suffering because here's what happens. See, if you, if you become a Christian and just start not really engaging in the battle, you're, you're going to lose some of the power that could be yours as you live this surrendered life. So as you begin to witness and testify and live differently than the world, you, what happens is you experience, hear this, you experience suffering for persecution's sake. That draws you closer to Christ and you get more intimate with Christ, and you fall more in love with Christ, and, and guess what? You hate sin more. And then you go out and you're even bolder with the testimony, and you're witness for God, and you suffer even more. Because te- God is very kind and gracious. He's not going to hit you with a hammer. He just slowly lets you suffer. You kind of build up your endurance for suffering. And then you suffer grit, more, greater uh, battles, and again, you fall deeper in love with God. And, you, and, and I'm just telling you, the sins of the past will just fade away. They'll have no more pull on you. It's a great truth. These aren't my words; these are God's. And then you'll get to a point, hopefully, as Paul did here in Philippians three ten. I want to know you, Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participate in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And this last one I already mentioned, First Peter five ten, is that God is gracious. Don't be afraid to suffer for God. He's very gracious. He brings you in seasons of suffering, and then He comes and meets you, and He encourages you and, 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 and builds you up again for the next battle. It's a beautiful process. Everybody good with that? We got a little more? of, a few more? I'm hitting you with some heavy stuff here. You guys all right? So let's go on here. I just want to show you a little more suffering. What did you learn today? I learned a lot about suffering. Look at Matthew 7.21. You all right, Walter? All right. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You know, if you're sitting here today and you say, well, I'm a professing Christian. I went forward at an altar call or I raised my hand. If you're not doing the will of God, you better examine yourself. You're probably not a believer. Because it says right here, many will say, oh, I, you know, I went to church on Sunday and Bible study on Wednesday, and he's going to say, did you do the will of my Father? Were you living this new life? Is there any fruit in your life? Did you suffer for me? I don't know you. Sorry. How about this one? Therefore, there, therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these oh, this is a big one too. Therefore, anyone who sets, a, a, sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Shame on the church. Can I get an amen? Shame on the church. I hear often people giving other people counsel, oh, that's okay. They're talking about sin. It's okay, that's not that bad. And churches aren't calling people out to live the righteous life. And see, so, you know what's going to happen? I feel I really tremble of the pastors that are leading churches and not teaching the commands of God. Because it says right here, they'll be the least in heaven. They they think there's something, but in heaven they're going to be the least because they're not calling people out. Because there is no little sin to God, and not those things. I don't care what you're doing; it's not okay if it's sin. There isn't some sort of gradient here. Well, at least I'm not doing this. No, stop it. You got to cut it off, gouge it out. So here it is for all you brothers and sisters. I'm I'm talking to you. If you're in those situations where someone's seeking your counsel and it's sin. Don't minimize it. How can I help you overcome this? Love them, meet them, but how can I help you? shouldn't be living this. How can I? It's not okay to sleep with her. It's not okay to, to do that or, or to say that. It's not okay to get drunk. It's just not okay. Oh, I, I don't care how bad your day is. It's not okay to get drunk. Let's talk about it. Well, I can pray with you. And this one here. I know these are hard truths, brother and sister. Look at this one. Jesus said, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Ouch. Ouch. Can you picture that going on? Hey, well, I, who are you? So the, the, the point is, is that if you're not bold... And sharing Jesus, are you proud of the fact that you're a child of God? Is that, I know proud's probably not a good word for that, but are you are you just fired up about the reality or a child of God that you want to share it with a lost dark world, or are you ashamed you don 't want to offend anybody so in other words, is there fear of man greater than your fear of God? Memorize this verse I would I mean could, don't you tremble at the thought of Jesus? Not acknowledging you before the Father? Okay, let's close with this. I want to finish 18 here. Um, really, it's the end of 17 and 18. It says, So, so because we're children of God, we are, we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, because we share in His sufferings, now look at this next part, in order that we may also share in His glory. I consider that our, verse 18, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. This is, uh, we're closing with this, so hang on here, hang in here with me for just a couple minutes. I I love the way John MacArthur states this in his commentary, which is, what what we're really accomplishing as we live this sacrificial life and the suffering is we're increasing our capacity to glorify God in heaven. Do you hear that? That's that's one of our great inheritances. We're increasing our ability, our capacity to glorify God when we get to heaven. That's one of our great inheritances. You you with me on this? Now, here's a great picture that that, uh, Dr. Rick Lobbs told me when I was first saved. He said, Now, everybody in heaven will be completely full. Okay, you with me? There's not going to be anybody going, Oh, darn, you know, I wish I would have done this or that. All that's gone when we get to heaven. We're completely full. There's no wanting, there's no desires, there's un, un, no unmet needs. But here's the here's the picture. Picture this. But you may only be a thimble. You know what a thimble is? Not many sewers anymore. That little thimble that goes over the lady's finger so they don't. get Yeah, we have my wife is too Mary, Mary and Mary. But the thimbles, that little thing that goes over the finger to protect their fingers from getting hit with a pin. A little teeny vessel. So some people will be completely filled, but all they're going to be is a thimble. Somebody else may be a five-gallon bucket; they'll be completely filled, and somebody else will be a fifty-five-gallon drum. You see me? You hear me? So everybody will be completely filled, not wanting anything. But the reality is, is how we live out our life determines the size of the vessel when we get to heaven. Isn't that awesome? So as we choose to live for God, the glory is we're sending up to heaven. Pretty soon the thimble's full, and God has to move us over to a five-gallon bucket. Now He's filling that up for us, and if we keep living the right life, then also He says, hey. It looks like Richard's going to the 55-gallon drum container. We've got to move him over there, right? And that's the life. And then when we get to heaven, our responsibilities and our rewards and everything else will be dependent on the life we lived here. Okay. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the big picture. Thank you for this plan that we're just down here partaking in and as You're restoring Your creation to an even better order than it was in the beginning, even though that was perfect. We thank You for our inheritance, Father. We thank You that You have given us a full inheritance with Jesus Christ. We thank You for the place You're preparing. We thank You for the the restoration of, of sinless environment and no pain and suffering. We thank You for what's coming, Lord. We pray, Lord, that as heirs, we will choose to suffer for You That none of us would be secret Christians. That we live boldly for you. And that when we're persecuted, we rejoice because we know we just send another glory up to heaven. And I pray for these brothers and sisters that every one of them would be a 55-gallon drum Christian. Just tons of glory and honor waiting for them and rewards when they get to heaven. Help us to persevere. In Jesus' name, amen.